Hi, movie fans, and in particular, Scream fans. We've done another episode. Uh, Michelle and I were lucky enough to speak to Jake Moroni, the author of It All Began With a Scream, and I hope you enjoy it. And Jake, I, I know you probably get this all the time, but I just wanted to say I'm such a big fan of your work. I just finished your book. I, I, I couldn't put it down. Insightful, probing. I just really, really loved your book. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Films, 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 films. Sequels suck. Sequels suck. Sequels suck. Films. Welcome back, movie fans. This is the podcast Sequel Suck, and we've got another special Scream-related episode for you today because I think one of the things looking forward to Scream 6. A lot of the big debate is whether Stu Marker is still alive. There's a fan base out there that really want to see him back, believe he's still alive, believe that's part of the canon, and then we've got the people that definitely think he's dead and not necessarily opposed to him coming back in some sort, some form, but definitely have issues with if he did come back, how ridiculous that may be. On the line, I've got Michelle with me again. Uh, huge Scream fan. I think I know where she's going to go with this anyway, but um, their special guest, oh, well, I'll say hi to Michelle first. Hi. Thanks for and, having me back. And we've got a book that we both own. I'll show it here because I'll use this as a screenshot later. I think he's got it in his background anyway. Um, we have the writer of this amazing Scream book, Jake Maroney, how are you, mate? All the way from Philadelphia. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Uh, how are you guys? Very good. Very good. A, a few things have dropped since we even did the last podcast. I think we we talked about uh, Scream 6 being green lit and then Gail Weathers, a.k.a. Courtney Cox, signing on for a sixth Scream movie. And now we actually have a date. I think, was it the 23rd of March? I probably should have done my research. Or was it the, the 31st of March? 31st 373 of March. 373 days. Yeah, wow. There you go. The, the uh, countdown so, has started. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy, definitely has. It? So it's all, yeah, the, the, the community is abuzz. Uh, unfortunately, there is some toxic fandom as well happening at the moment. Some people getting very angry. But I think for me personally, uh, look, no, actually, let's go to Jake. Talk, talk quickly. Talk about your book. To tell us what inspired you, apart from loving Scream, what inspired you to go down this path, track down all these amazing uh, people that have been involved in the Scream franchise. Uh, you know, chasing them down, emails, phone calls, interviews, and putting this book together. Because I read it, and uh, look, honestly, I'm I'm probably eighty percent of the way through, but I can see how much work was put into it. So. I mean, what was that journey like? Uh, you know, I have to say, th this is my first book, um, and I couldn't have picked a better um, topic because everyone that I talked to has been so generous with their time and, you know, so supportive, you know, you know, like case in point, Marianne Madalena, who had a really close partnership and worked with Wes, um, creatively and uh, you know she um, was one of the first people I interviewed and she also helped connect me with other people um, you know and it came through how much 
these movies meant to everyone. It, it wasn't just a job for them. So I think, you know, in some ways, I think they enjoyed talking about it. Um, and I got them before the all the 20th, uh, 25th anniversary. Wait, I'm now lost. I don't even know. Sorry. It's late here. <laughs> uh, uh, it came out in 96. So it's 25 years. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I, I should now just be cut from everything that I don't know this, but, uh, um, <laughs> no, no. but, um, but yeah, I mean, this was, you know, it was before all the 25th anniversary stuff really started happening. I started interviewing people in, um, the fall of 2020. Um, and, you know, and it had been a while since some of them had talked about the movie and their roles and the experience. So I think they, they really enjoyed being able to Remnis because it was such a good experience for um, for everyone. I, you know, I think that they enjoyed looking back. You know, that there's always some jobs that people have that they outside of acting too, where they never want to talk about it again. And I never got the feeling that anyone I talked to had any kind of experience. Everyone really enjoyed their time. Uh, Marianne said like that they would go out afterwards, have group dinners, go out, hang out offset and everything. So I think that it really was a special time for all of them. So how do people find your book? Like I got mine through Amazon. Um, I mean, where, where's the best place for people to buy your book? Um, so I, it, it is available on Amazon. Um, if they're looking for an ebook, a kid, they can also purchase it directly from my public website bear manor media um they have ebooks the ebook is on amazon too um i know in america that it's pretty much anywhere barnes and noble target um you can order it online um I, i'm not sure internationally which websites but i know at least um from my publisher and from uh amazon it's available cool Cool. Good. Look, I, I can highly recommend it. Uh, there's definitely a few screen books I have in my collection, but uh, it's definitely one worth reading because it was definitely some stories and stuff I, you know, read in there that I thought I knew or were sort of urban legends or, uh, you know, not really confirmed, but um, thankfully you are able to sort of uncover the dirt, I guess, and, and find some really cool tidbits and just stories that probably had never come out before, you know? So yeah, it's definitely, I, can't recommend it more highly enough. Uh, I, I guess the question I want to ask, was there anyone that you got, you were surprised you got that would, did an interview or was there a favourite or someone that you just didn't expect much from that gave you so much? Well, like I said, Marianne has been so supportive. Um, you know, she connected me um, to Patrick Lucier. I wasn't able to get a hold of him. Um, you know, and she's been supportive if I had follow-up um, questions, you know, and be before I started the, the project, the, the one thing with the screen movies are a lot of their casts have gone on to huge careers. So I wasn't really sure, you know, you had people like Leah Schreiber, who wasn't really known when he first started, and now he's Ray Donovan. And, yeah. A serious actor and so I was like I don't think that he's gonna want yeah. it especially you know it, it's a small publishing company you know I've never written a book before I don't have pedigree necessarily 
Um, and he was, I think the second person that signed up and he was great, um, to talk to. I mean, so I think that was fun. And, and like you said, there are a lot of stories. Uh, I don't know if you've gotten through, um, the, the screen four um, section, but there's a, a really fun story with Nico Tortorella where they went to, they were late coming to dinner with the cast and the filmmakers and Bob Weinstein was in town. And th there was just kind of, I guess Bob was upset that, he, that they were late. And so Bob made a comment and Nico like something like it was nice of you to show up and Nico responded well it was nice that we finally got the script where's that been yeah so um or like um Lynn McCree talking about the kissing scene with um oh yeah <laughs> so yeah and how they all like rushed to help her because he was being a little more forward than than Mr. Morgan and yeah. Mr. Loomis should have been. Yeah, very forward. He really got into character. Exactly. <laughs> he, he knew they were there to have the affair, so. Or really, really, really thought she was Sharon Stone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I will give a shout out to Ryan C. Showers. So I guess I heard about your book coming out. And in fairness, like you said, you hadn't written a book before, but you know, sometimes when you see something, you know, that's attached to a franchise or a movie or something. You really want you, you want to find out more about it, more about the author. You're not too sure, and especially at least from my point of view, it was going to cost me forty something Australian dollars uh, to get, and it was like, well, I'm happy to pay that and support yourself. But again, you sort of like, is it going to be just like a coffee table book, or is it going to be any new information? Uh, and it wasn't until I heard you on. Uh, screen with Ryan C. Showers um, that sort of confirmed, oh, well, that's the book I was looking at. And now I'm, I'm definitely happy to sort of purchase. So I'll give a shout out to Ryan because I think that that I'm sure I hope that helped people find you uh, and find this book. Yeah, I, I had started talking with Ryan very early in the process, um, you know, and he he's a great guy. And uh, yeah, I, I've definitely heard um, after that episode aired you know people were saying that they loved our conversation and and that's really what made them want to pick up the book um well it made my top 10 books of last year i remember sending you a thing on instagram and i read a lot so that's saying something oh well thank you <laughs> <laughs> no i really enjoyed it because i've got a few screen books as well and then definitely not as good as your one and I'll say I was actually surprised when I first started out that there wasn't a book like this mm -hmm. already done, you know, because Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween and, you know, Friday the 13th, they have, you know, 10 hour documentaries, they have multiple books about them and everything. And with Scream being so iconic, I kind of figured that there was a book that was already out that, you know, maybe there was an official book instead of my unauthorized book but um th there wasn't and so that was kind of something I saw in the market that you know especially with the anniversary coming up because when I started the the fifth movie hadn't been announced as going into production and 
you know, it just, it seemed like it was a hole there for horror fans that love these movies. They're so iconic. And yet there wasn't a, a book that let them know what happened and how they were made and how much everyone loved them when they were making them. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I There definitely is a hole. And I, I do wonder if it's maybe because it's still, I mean, it's 25 years since the first movie, but I, I wonder if it's, you know, still like, still like young in years if that makes any real sense because i you talk about halloween and friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street and like you said they had these documentaries done that uh, you know many hours of you know footage and, and stuff that they go over and multiple discs that you have to load into a dvd player and then they normally have a really good companion uh guide like a really big hard cover with lots of photos and behind the scenes stuff. And I, I agree with you. I like, I've got the Friday the 13th, you know, Camp Crystal Lake sort of, I guess, Almanac or whatever that's called. I can't remember what it's called to be totally honest, but um, maybe Chris uh, Camp Crystal Lake Memories or something like that. And then, you know, I've got, right. I've got a, yeah, uh, Halloween one. I've got, um, you know, some other movie ones and uh, like Back to the Future, there's a Ghostbusters one. And that's the thing is like, is there not enough Scream fans that they couldn't, like I'm surprised they before yourself that they've had a couple of books, but not really to the depth you've gone to. And it's almost like they need to go, you know what, let's get Jay back. Let's let him write more. And we'll get a few other people that like, I think there's Ryan Hills. that's in a lot of the groups. It's a very, um, you know, he's very good with it. He knows all the masks and all that sort of stuff. And then just get the right people together and just actually do this really cool uh, book. That's, you know, got lots of color photos and, all that sort of stuff and behind the scenes photos that yeah i think i think it would be a winner if they you know they did it but like you said it's whether they want to authorize that sort of stuff is well the, and i think the the thing now like you were saying you know when i started like i said scream five wasn't in production yet i actually went down to the set and i was in the midst of everything but now that they're in the midst of the new movies i think everything's going to kind of get put on hold because like even people have asked me like oh are you going to update the book you know to go into more depth about five six and um and that, like I I think the thing is you can't really do a, a really in-depth book about something that just came out a year ago yeah. or a couple months ago you know you kind of need a few years to kind of you know look at it unbiased and objectively you know, because I mean, look what what's happened with Scream 3 and 4, you know, when they came out, the reactions have changed and softened or, you know, gotten worse for different things and people have liked other things more. So I think you really need, you know, that, that distance between when things come out. So I don't think that we'll see anything until this next wave kind of has a little bit of time. So, guys, the big thing that's sort of, I guess, on the radar, and one of the big, I guess, controversies or conspiracy theories or whatever you want to call it, the great debate is whether Stu Marker survived, firstly, bleeding out, but then secondly, a uh, huge television falling on his head. Me, personally, I think the weight of that TV crushes his skull anyway, uh, but there's also the electro electrocution side of things. Did he survive? Jake, tell me, did he, did he survive? I mean, I know you wrote about this and we, you know, 
there was this idea for Scream 3 that he would be alive, but do you think someone survives that? Well, so I, I think we do have to say, I don't think any of the Stu truthers would be around if it wasn't for the original idea for Scream 3 that had Matthew Lillard coming back as Stu. I think, you know, and I think, again, that's something that over the years that has grown. Um, but I mean, he says he's feeling woozy already before she drops a TV on him. And I mean, it's been a while since I've seen one of those TVs, but from what I remember, they were pretty heavy. Yeah, 100%. Like, like you said, I, I'm pretty sure it would would have crushed someone, especially if they were in a weakened state. He's dead. Plain and simple. He's dead. <laughs> But I am open to the idea that we didn't necessarily see him, like he hasn't been shot in the head, he wasn't stabbed in the heart, so is there the thing where the killer can always come back? So I'm open to it, but I think he's dead. Yeah, I don't know. I This is something I've, I've talked about a lot, I feel like, recently, and, and I know that it, I'm, it's probably going to sound a little bit hypocritical, but my... My feeling about the Scream franchise and why part of it, why I like it so much is that it does feel like compared to like a Halloween or Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, all these other great franchises that because the killers, um, you know, oh, it's always a new killer in each movie. I feel like, and a lot of the scenarios that we see in the movie, I think there's still a grounding in reality there. And yeah, while there definitely are some points where you go, oh, geez, I don't know if they would have survived that many stabs, especially in the, the latest movie. But I feel like there's still this reality about it that I feel like bringing Stu back is just like, just borders on the supernatural and doesn't, defies the logic of what we've seen in pretty much the five screen movies. Yeah, okay, there's some, you know, Maybe the odd issue, I'm sure one of you two could bring one up that doesn't really, you know, you know, it's not quite logical or is a little bit over the top. But I think generally speaking, I think the movie, you know, especially when Wes was involved, I think they were really, uh, you know, it was really important to them to not be too over the top, like, you know, have a, like I said, a Michael Myers gets shot six times, fall out a window, and then the body disappear kind of thing. So I feel like having Stu come back, I'm even surprised Wes entertained that idea. And I'm surprised Kevin would have even gone down that path because I think for me, I could maybe live with Screen 3 doing it, but I feel like personally the, the logic of him firstly surviving and then him somewhat being in jail um, makes zero sense because it's never mentioned in any of the sequels since. And I think, you know, you talk about even, you know, into the second movie, like Mickey and uh, Mrs. Loomis, like they talk about the trial and stuff like that. Well, if Stu did survive in the first movie, how is it not mentioned that there was a trial for him and him going to jail or, or you know, I, I, there's so much about that that just doesn't make sense. And then Finally, I think your legacy characters, Dewey, Gail, and Nev, oh, sorry, Sydney, they would know if Stu was still alive somewhere. I'm sure, I just don't, I can't conceive any world 
that the, in this at least in this universe that they would not at least one of them would not know that Stu was alive somewhere. So for me, that's where I just think it makes no sense bringing him back. Not not to change sides, but yeah, yeah, you know, I, go. I, I, I want a fair and even debate. Go for it. He's dead, but he could yeah. be alive. Yeah, um, not to change sides, but I think if they would have done it with the third movie, they could have gone away because, yeah. I mean, the like you said, the trial and everything. He takes a plea deal because. I mean, the evidence is kind of everywhere that you have survivors and, you know, you have all the dead bodies. I'm sure there's fingerprints everywhere, even though it's his house. So he could have pled out and um, gone to jail. And because the second one really focuses much more on Billy because of Mrs. Loomis. So I could see it for the third movie, but like you said, we're now in heading into the sixth movie and there would have been some mention that he was alive. You know, he, he wouldn't have been, you know, living in a cave somewhere, you know, after faking his death, like that, I think would be a little much. Um, Woodsboro doesn't look like it has many caves to hide in. Oh, I'd love to see him back. Just the character of Stu is one of my favorite. And Matthew Lillard is like hundred percent convinced that Stu survived. He's even said in an interview, throw a TV on my head, like we can make this happen. <laughs> but I think yeah. unless he's escaped into like witness protection or, you know, he escaped custody, like where has he been hiding this entire time? Yeah. And I think that's the the, belie- the believability of it. It doesn't make sense. Again, if they had have dropped a tidbit in the second movie or even early in the third that, he's in jail or something like that. I could have maybe lived with it, but I think there's been too much time gone past. At some point, if the killers, again, any of the movies where the killings start, surely there's a conversation where Dewey, Gail, or uh, Sydney say, oh, is Stu still lost away? Can we please check on that kind of thing? Or is he having some sort of, could it be him? Like, if he was still alive, that has to have been mentioned at some point, but we've never seen that. So to me, that sort of says that he was dead. And I, I really believe they killed him, uh, you know, in that first movie, not intending to have him back. And then, then the idea came, as, oh, well, maybe we could twist. And it's a bit like the whole Randy thing. I, I think Jake touches on the book that there was definitely an idea that, oh, could we bring Jamie Kennedy back for the third? And then, oh, well, that's a little bit over the top. Let's just do a, a video so we can, you know, justify that that way but uh look i i I just wonder if um as jake calls them the uh stew truthers that i i think it's just this love of this character and i i get it i would love to see him back in some form but not not as an alive person like if they did some sort of flashback where they de-age him a bit like they did with uh ski i can kind of see it and i think it would be a bit fun even seeing it from again one of my favorite other sequels is back to the future 2 and one of the great things about back to the future 2 is they're able to go back into the first movie and you can see it from a different angle i could kind of see and that's where i thought screen 5 was potentially going when i knew they were filming at the house or at least um the set of the house and i'd heard the rumor um that Skeet was there, or at least uh, as we spoke about in the last episode, that Marley Shelton accidentally tagged Skeet in an Instagram post. 
Um, I actually thought that's what was going to happen. I thought they were bringing the core cast back, even Jamie Kennedy, uh, Matt and uh, Skeet, and they were going to recreate um, the massacre from the first one and, and maybe see it from a different perspective. Uh, but I just, can they bring him back as a different character? I think that that ship sailed when they had Vince in this last movie as his nephew. Yeah. They, they would have had to have brought him back um, this time. But did you guys ever see the following that Kevin wrote, the TV show? No, no, but I know it was based on the same sort of idea he had for Scream 3, right? Yeah, it was, you know, about a, uh, a guy who basically is leading a cult from jail and he gets out in the first, he escapes in the first episode. And I, I the first episode of that is so well done and so creepy that if that's what they were going to do, like a version of, I would have loved to see that as a scream. Um, I think there was a lot of potential. I mean, obviously the show went on for two or three years, I, I think. Um, maybe a little bit longer, but uh, you know, the, the, he definitely used some of the elements that were in the original Scream, um, Scream 3 treatment. And it, it, if you haven't seen it, even if you watch just the pilot, like I would highly recommend checking that out. Um, and Nico from Scream 4 is in it also. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. And now that I mean, I know you touch about it on your book as well. And I, I think, I think on Australian television here, I, I remember coming out and then pumping it up as a Kevin Williamson, you know, sort of Dawson's Creek, you know, Kevin Williamson and Kevin Bacon being sort of very front and center. But I never, yeah, never saw it. And it's not till, yeah, recently your book. And then I, I think someone else had mentioned that it was sort of inspired from, I guess, the unused idea of Screen 3. So yeah, it's definitely probably you know, I'll definitely go check it out now for sure. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like I said, you know, even if you don't watch the whole series, the the pilot alone is it's something I don't rewatch too many, especially dramas. I don't rewatch much, um, but that's one that I've gone back to a couple of times because it's just a really tight one hour um episode that you know you really are kind of on your edge of your seat during and there's some really good twists in it so i guess you know moving forward to scream six what what are some thoughts you're thinking about the next movie where they're going to go well i don't even know if i've given it thought to be honest i'm still recovering from scream five (laughs) (laughs) uh i'll say so there's two things one you know one thing that i'm just trying to put out into the world is i think we need a gail weathers like paramount plus netflix show where she's like (laughs) investigating a string of murders or something each season like a murder she wrote type of but like Mm. with gail and her tongue and i think that would be amazing and courtney could still do her new TV show and that I think that's what we need though um because I, I felt I'm probably gonna get raked over the coals the more I say this but like I felt like Scream 5 
it wasn't the most organic way that Sydney and Gail were, were integrated. I thought Dewey was integrated really well. Um, and I thought that it was also a natural ending point that they could have pivoted away from them. Um, so I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn about hearing that they're coming back for the sixth one. Um, also with, I mean, with Sydney having kids now with them establishing that, like, are you really gonna kill her off at some point when she has young children? Like, so that's just kind of also, um, but something that I think would also be cool and change things up is, is if they were to go the route of having two killers again, if they unmasked one like halfway through, yeah. so that they, if they, so then the characters think they're in the clear and then you have, you know, what they refer to in screen four as the third act main cast bloodbath. Yeah. Yeah, look, there's so many ways that they definitely can go, but I'm with you. I'm, I love Gail so much. I love uh, Sydney so much, but I feel like I had this debate with um, on a, on chat flicks um, recently and I kind of made the comment saying their arcs are sort of sort of finished and, and I had a one of the guys sort of disagree and I was kind of like okay I guess it, it wasn't the loop wasn't completely closed and you can maybe still take them for those characters but I feel like while Scream is very synonymous with or Sydney and Gail are very synonymous with the Scream franchise I think at some point you have to let go and I think it would be, uh, and you touched on it, that I think it would be even more ridiculous to somehow rope Sydney into it and then, like I said, whether Mark Kincaid actually physically came back or just having, you know, kids involved and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, I just don't, I don't see it and I don't think Nev would want to come back if it wasn't an amazing idea or reason for, for her to be there. Uh, Gail, I can sort of see a little bit, but again, the same thing. It's like, I, I feel like, didn't they didn't we see them pass the torch and kind of have their almost farewell at the end of five? I, I think, yeah, I'm not too sure what they're going to do with Gail, to be totally honest. Um, again, I'm, the selfish part of me is like, yeah, great, Courtney Cox is back. But then there's a part of me that goes, well, but is it is it just uh, for the sake of it? Is it just, you know, fan service too much? And, and that's actually also my concern with everyone saying that they want Kirby back. Mm. Um, you know, so I, 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 I'm going to preface this. I really did enjoy Scream, um, the, the fifth movie. But I, I did because, you know, at this point, I feel like I'm probably a little too close um, to it. Uh, I felt like Sheriff Judy wasn't the same character necessarily that we saw in Scream 4. Um, you know, especially drinking the glass of wine and then going to <laughs> drive and pick up the sushi. Like, Deputy Judy would never have a drink and then drive. Like, she wears a vest when she doesn't really need it. You know, so like, she's going to like hardcore, you know. And that's my fear with Kirby is she's one of my favorites in the series and if they don't get the character right I would prefer not to have Kirby back you know like just like have her have like have 
they should have just had her die if they aren't sure that they're going to be able to bring her back in the same way again in an organic way but also as that character you know and and that's my one fear with bringing Kirby back because she's another one that everyone is you know wanting to see come back do you bring her back and make her the opening kill I've seen that a few places or is that too obvious I mean it's very cotton weary of them it's true yeah I have seen a lot of people online come up with the idea like, oh, it'd be awesome. And I think someone did write, I, I didn't read it all because it was quite long-winded, but I do want to read it. But uh, someone had almost, I guess, scripted a opening kill of Kirby. And it's like, yeah, that's all great. But now that everyone's talking about it, wouldn't that be like such a non-shock? Like there'd be no tension to it as soon as people see Kirby in that first scene. Everyone's like, well, she's totally dying. Unless they, I guess flip the script a little bit and have her survive like Tara. But overall, I think if people start talking about it and putting that in the universe and it happens, that's not surprising. That's not interesting. It's, it's like, oh, that's just a fan, a really good fan story that got made into a movie. Like, But also we've got Mindy now. So do you need two sort of Randy characters? Like Mindy's kind of the new Kirby. So she's sort of unnecessary. Yeah. You know what would be fun also? Uh, I was... I forget who I was having this conversation with, but if they did like almost like a survivor Royal Rumble um, in the next movie, bring back everyone who survived, like Joel that we've never seen, bring back Mark and almost like someone is trying to kill the survivors of the stab movies. And so it's all the survivors from the screen movies have to like almost band together um, I think that would be kind of an interesting idea and a fun way to get everyone back. Um, things that I think about when I probably should be doing other things about possible ways that screen could go on. Yeah, like I know Sydney said she wasn't going to come back, you know, but like at this point, it doesn't matter who dies, like just don't, like it's not worth it at this point for her. Like, send flowers, send your regards, you know, <laughs> be very, exactly, FaceTime me for the funeral, like, I just, she's got kids, she can't go to Woodsboro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, and I think she's only going to get involved, I reckon, if something was to happen, like, to her kids or to Mark, like, why would she come back to help these random kids again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this time she only got involved because... Dewey was killed um you know that's what brought her back so unless they're gonna kill Gail no you can't that would like I think I think I would be more upset if Gail got it than Sydney like I, I honestly think that would be really hard for me is is it true that uh Courtney had actually expressed some sort of desire of being killed in screen four as far as you know jake i never heard that um so it's, no not in ever, the, it's definitely not, it's in, the not book. in the book <laughs> uh, unless you hand wrote it into your copy um <laughs> it, i i haven't heard that um yeah, okay. th- then again though kristen stewart just came out and said that she was offered the opening to Scream for, and I hadn't heard that when I and I, I spoke to the casting director. Yeah. Um, 
so I Courtney might have you know said it maybe as a joke I yeah I, I can't see how I I know and I I don't know where I heard this but I feel like I heard that there was talk at one point that they were gonna give Gail and Dewey kids in Scream 4 yep um yeah you've heard that too? yeah I'd, I'd heard um that in an early script or at least when they were conceiving the idea for screen four that they would have a, a young child if not baby potentially um and then it sort of got to the point where uh you look similar to what you're saying about sydney like uh, you know you got a kid how can you kill one of these guys off that's got a kid kind of thing but also i think they probably just thought uh Anything with, you know, doing a movie is already hard enough, but doing it with kids and animals is always a little bit trickier. <laughs> so I think that's it pretty much came down to that. It was like, do we need to have a kid in this movie? It's just more, you know, yeah, more effort. And I don't know how Wes, to be honest, off the top of my head, I don't think Wes has probably had a lot of movies with kids in it. So I know obviously a new nightmare, um, if, you know, there's probably one or two others, but. Uh, People under the stairs. Yeah. This, oh, I mean, look, he's had kids in movies before, don't get me wrong, but I think when you're talking about maybe a really young child, like a toddler type thing, it was probably like, nah, too hard basket. We'll, we'll, we don't need that. It's not important. Uh, which is Did ironic because that, well, that, the toddler, they could have had a toddler and it could have been Wes Hicks back then, but, you know. Yeah, well, that's what I saw, that could Wes Hicks be the son of Dewey and Judy? I saw that, that interview with David Arquette like talking about it and i mean if we're gonna go with the timeline that's supposedly established wes would have been born already and that means that dewey cheated on gail and i don't want that even in the universe like dewey was such a good guy and and did you guys hear also courtney actually tried arguing with radio silence to yeah. keep Dewey alive yes. in this one. So, yeah. so like, I, yeah, I just don't think that people, like, like there's a lot of theories and people are grasping at things, but like when I saw that Wes was Dewey's kid thing, I was like, I was like, Wes was just at his dad's that week because it, <laughs> Judy had already split with them. Like that's what, that one is like easily explained and it has nothing to do with Dewey trying to eat judy's lemon square <laughs> <laughs> i know I, I i that was an article i know popped up and i'm sort of a bit over like there's definitely a lot of scream related uh, i guess clickbait material that i will click and look and read and then you talked about the Kristen stewart one as well i mean that was just a waste of an article really it wasn't that exciting it wasn't that interesting uh, and then she's put out, oh, I'd come back, I'd come in for a Scream 6 and I think, I don't know, and no disrespect to her, but that might also be just like looking for more work and and just, again, being more relevant at the time. Um, the, Wes, the Wes thing, I agree with you. I think Dewey potentially cheating on Gail is just such a bullshit thing that just would go so against his character that makes, I wouldn't say it doesn't make sense, I guess it could happen because Judy was in, like, we know Judy was into Dewey, but I, I would put that also down to, yes, she's a single mom and she's looking for this guy that she thinks well, she's got him up on a pedestal and thinks he's, you know, father type material and, and would be a great husband and all that sort of stuff. Uh, 
I guess the fact that Wes is never referenced in the fourth one is probably the slight pothole because when everything's going on, when someone's got a kid, you kind of, a bit like Sydney, you kind of think, well, I'm going to err on the side of caution and maybe not be in the vicinity. But um, like you said, Jake, I think you can believe it away that he's at his dad's house. He would have been, what, eight, seven or eight years old in the fourth movie. I mean, it's believable that he's at his father's for that week or whatever, or or at at his grandparents. It wasn't even a week. Like, if you think about it, it's really like three days or something. Yeah. You know, and and he would have been, I mean, it came out in 2011, so it was 10, 10-ish years ago. So he would have, yeah, been like six or seven, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Obviously, when they made Scream 4, they weren't thinking of Wes Hicks being a person. But I think that's something that's much easier to explain away than Stu living in a cave for 26 years or, you know, or Dewey cheating on Gail. Like, there's certain things that, you know, at the end of the day, we are talking about a movie, a horror movie, and, like, certain things you do just like like you said you know the way that certain people were stabbed like Tara, like they even make fun of it in this movie with Tara being a human pincushion yeah you know so so there are just some things that you do have to roll with and then there's just i think others that are deal breakers um apparently Stu being alive isn't a deal breaker for everyone though no, not at all. It's um, it's going to be interesting to see if they ever bring him back. And the fact that Matthew Lillard has expressed a massive desire and has pushed the whole "I'm still alive," you know, storyline or narrative uh, definitely just makes it grow legs even more. I mean, the fact that he's on board and and like you said in your book, and I I think it was in the Still Screaming documentary where he was signed on for Scream Three and was paid at least initially, uh, to be in that movie until things sort of change. So I guess that's where it absolutely grows legs. I guess my other counterpoint to why I believe he's dead, or at least from Radio Silence point of view, he's dead, is the uh, photos that we never actually saw in the movie was the crime scene photos. To me, that crime scene, crime scene photo says, well, this is a body. This is someone that is dead. Uh, what's your take on that, Jake? Yeah, I mean, if he's laying there long enough for them to take a photo with the TV on him, like... <laughs> no one's helping he, him. Yeah, like, like <laughs> obviously, they've checked him, you know, as Joel said in Scream 2, like, the dude's not in the union anymore. Like, he's he's checked out. You know, they're, they're not worried about trying to get the TV off of him. But at the same time, like you said, it's not in the movie, so it's not canon. So there's a loophole. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just look at it as, yeah, you're right. And maybe they kept it out because they maybe want to give themselves options there too. But I think the fact that they had it in, or at least uh, made it or, or set it up and took the photos and all that sort of stuff that makes you think, well, they've written a version that he's definitely dead. I've got to ask, actually, Jake, what was your take on it? Now that we, we haven't really spoken Scream 5 to yourself, you've talked touched on it a little bit, but what was your take on actually having uh, Skeet or Billy 
Billy Loomis in this movie? So, so that that's actually one of the issues that the, the first time Billy shows up, I thought was great. A, you know, a great surprise because they actually, I know a few people had, you know, but for the most part, I think other than like the really hardcore fans, like they really kept that secret. Um, I don't know that we needed to have him keep showing up and to help Sam find the knife. Um, and so it felt a little bit like fan service. And I felt sometimes that that's the one criticism that I have about the movies. I felt like because those guys are such fans and you know, they, they love the movies as much as we do that they were putting in all these Easter eggs for the fans. And I, I, for me, I thought it got to be a little too much at times. Um, so that, and I think having Skeet in it as much as he was, especially because they never really go back to Sam taking the pills and everything. Like they never really explore that further. It's, just like that in that one scene, is she crazy? Maybe she's the killer. And then it's never explored or mentioned again. Yeah, it's one. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it 100%. It was kind of, like you said, the fan service part was like cool to kind of see him. And like you said, the first reveal in the uh, hospital sort of uh, bathroom uh, mirror was really cool. Uh, but then you sort of wonder, did we need to keep seeing it? Uh and especially, I know, uh, you know, speaking to my offsider, Angus, on the actual Screen 5 uh, podcast, uh, you know, one of the issues he had with it was that it's her hallucination of what she thinks her father was or what she knows of her father. Yet how does he direct her to find a knife? Like, that's already in her subconscious. She should know that. Like, it was a bit weird. Like, he felt like that. that was a bit more of a stretch where... Yeah, it's okay for him there or be the voice in her head, but he shouldn't be able to give her information that she's not privy to. If that makes sense, like it's a weird kind of. Yeah. Again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, so I won't go too, <laughs> too far down the the mental health sort of, uh, you know, those sort of issues rabbit hole. But um, I sort of hadn't thought about it like that. I'm like, oh, that's probably right. That uh, hallucinations should not be giving you new information. Uh, it should be there already, but it, it is what it is. I think that's what we need Ryan C. Showers to do an episode on, get like a clinical yeah. professional to talk about the trauma with Sydney and Sam's hallucinations and just have like a clinical discussion. <laughs> I saw something online that said Billy had all his stab wounds, but why was he not shot in the head like in her hallucinations? Like, why did they leave that bit out? He's got to look beautiful, doesn't he? I don't know, but I found him so distracting. Like, I'm a number one Billy fan. Like, I love Skeet and I love the character of Billy, but I just found the de-aging and the way he looked like extra creepy and it was just so distracting to me. But also, have you seen him on Instagram? Like, he is still, he's aging really well. Yeah, I don't like, know how much de-aging they even did. Yeah, like, and I've met him a couple times. Like, I think a lot of it they probably could have just done with makeup. He would have, you know, maybe looked a little bit older than 18, but like, 
he probably would have been in the ballpark with just makeup. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I've seen him in a few things recently. He was on a podcast, uh, Talk Scary to Me, with the uh, Horror Girl Scout. Scout and Danielle Harris, and uh, even on that, I was like, "Yeah, you're right. He doesn't. You, you take off the facial hair and that, but he still looks relatively, really good for his age. Yeah, and, for fifty. And yeah, it's like, did they need to? Because I, I feel like the weird thing about the de aging is like, by de aging him, it almost made him look a little bit more plastic or a little bit more fake. Like he'd had Botox and all these other bits and pieces and fillers." Because it just it just didn't look it looked a little bit off. I know some people raved that it looked good, but for me it just took me a little bit out of the film because it did didn't look enough like him. And I've heard a lot of debates about whether well couldn't they have just kept him at his age? They'll like the age would he might really be at, and that that's her version that she can see of him. I don't know. I mean, well, going back to what Michelle said. Uh, you know, it, I know I've read online also that people are like, why is she seeing him as when he was murdering and killed and everything? Like, why is why isn't he, you know, like other photos that she would have seen? Mm. You know, why is she seeing him stabbed and everything? So yeah. I think, you know, I mean, again, I think it's just one of those things that, you know, maybe she watched the yeah. that documentary about stab or, and everything. I, they could have also gotten away with having Luke Wilson as Billy, you know, <laughs> yes. from her watching the Stab movies. Yeah. That's her version of her father is Luke Wilson. That'd be kind of cool, funny. You, you're right. I mean, look, we, we can, we're probably splitting hairs anyway, but uh, I, I know that was, again, in a couple of days after I'd seen it. So luckily we got it here in Australia a couple of days earlier than the US and I had to bite my lip because obviously there was a lot of people in groups that are, you know, like yourself, Jake, you know, from the United States of America. And, you know, I had to bite my lip. I couldn't talk about it. And, but I know one of the early things that people started talking about was like, why is she seeing him like this? And for me, the the easy explanation is, yes, she doesn't know her father. She never met him. He doesn't have, yeah, I guess for me, I can explain it. Like, yeah, she never met her father. She I guess in a lot of ways, if he wasn't infamous, she would never really necessarily know what he looks like unless she got an old yearbook or something like that. But these are very well advertised, uh, you know, murders. Uh, there's plenty of photos of him. Uh, the crime scene photos, I'm sure she potentially had seen. And then obviously you've got movies and books on the subject. So I definitely think it's very plausible that her version or hallucination is very much she can see what he imagine what he looks like uh that would have been kind of cool that he wasn't always in the blood stained shirt like she could see him like he was in the photo that they they actually use that as actually a publicity shot for the movie which makes zero sense i think michelle touched on that in the last episode i'm not i'm not super hung up on that I, you know it's probably one of those things that yeah again technically is not accurate or probably should not be a thing but uh, I can live with that. It doesn't bother me too much. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm happy with the way it's explained. I, I think it's believable that she would know what her father looks like and I don't have any issues. I know some people did, but for me, it's, it's one of those things I can let go. 
can I ask Jake about one of my deal breakers, this hill that I will die on? Um, how do you feel about the basement scenes? Seeing as we know there's no basement at Stu's house. Okay, so I have, okay, again, because I was like living and breathing Scream and the Scream movies, that house hurt my soul because even, not, not just the basement, which it seemed really odd that they wouldn't just make it the garage mm -hmm. since the garage was such an important part of the first movie, but also the upstairs, like where they have the chase scene and she goes down the three stairs and Ghostface comes out the other side, like that was missing. Like, yeah. you know, yep. so like you could tell that they were recreating it and they were trying to get it just right. But like, there were things that did like, it hurt my soul a little bit. <laughs> you know, I, I, look, and look, this is not, uh, look, I think all three of us here right now, we love this franchise so much. So even what we would consider our last ranked uh, screen movie is still a great movie and still better than a lot of other movies we'll ever see. Um, so I, I, look, I don't want us to sound like we are negative, but that's, that's one thing I had an issue with, uh, Jake, uh, you know, full disclosure, I did feel like I was spoiled on the fact that they were going to Stu Marker's house uh, in Kevin Williamson's Instagram post. And there was a couple other Instagram posts early on. So I'm like, oh, well, they're recreating scenes either from the movie or they're going to end up there for some reason. The reasoning and the storyline or plot device for them to be in the house for Scream 5, I, I didn't love. I thought it was well over the top contrived. I think it made actually zero sense, but... I just went with it. I was roll with the punches, but I was, I was with you. I thought there was definitely some aspects of the set that at points I felt like, yeah, they're they could be actually on location and I would believe it. And then it was, you're right. There was other parts that I felt it felt claustrophobic and it felt like a set. Like I said, when you went up the stairs, I felt like rooms that should have been rooms were just little cupboards or little en suites or it, I felt like the geography was a bit off. And then I only found out in the last couple of days, me and, Charlotte, me and Michelle had talked about the basement and, and other issues. But as far as I know, I don't even think they had someone scout it and take a lot of photos to replicate the house. But they never had, as far as I know, someone that actually measured it out correctly because I feel like that's where it's a little bit off. Maybe the actual proportions of the house are not exact. So it does feel a little bit off. Um so for me, I, like, I don't like to be negative like that because I think overall the movie is a lot of fun, but I felt like, did we even need to go to the house in the end? <laughs> well, and, and to go along with what you're saying, yeah, I mean, the worst screen movie is still miles ahead of the, even some of the best of other franchises. Like there is not a bad screen movie in my opinion. And I think these little nitpicky things that we're saying are coming from a place of we as fans feel an ownership to yeah. the, these movies and it's coming from a place of we love and cherish these movies so when there's something that isn't matching up and I, I think you're right the the like foyer area did seem a little bit smaller than it was in the original movie. Like it seemed a little 
crowded when they were all kind of in there and in the first movie like it seemed like it was a basically like the size of a room mm. not just a foyer yeah uh, yeah I, I, like i mean they nailed the kitchen i think for me um they nailed a few other bits and pieces but uh it did i don't know i just felt like it was almost like they got you know they had to do it they couldn't do a full scale so they sort of did it in a, a slightly you know smaller scale and that's why it felt more claustrophobic uh like when they panned out and um you know you had sam carpenter realize where she was uh i i really thought that was really well done and there was definitely some other parts again like it could, i could believe that they were actually on location but then there was definitely some other shots and angles that they used i kind of felt like um it was like in a different house it wasn't the house um and that's i guess what sort of it disappointed me a little bit because, uh, like I said, we like these guys are super fans like us as well. So they love Wes Craven. They love Scream. So you know they're trying to do it justice. But I sort of thought, like, I, I, I don't know whether it was a money thing as well. I, yeah, it's just one of those nitpicks. Well, I think we also have to remember when they filmed it, it was, you know, the end of 2020, you know, the height of covid so they, they filmed basically the entire third act on a soundstage. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, budget was probably, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I would guess that there, there were budget reasons. Um, you know, I mean, one thing that, you know, I think made it the most obvious that it was on a soundstage is at the end when they tried to replicate the, um, the final shot where it goes over to the um horizon mm. and you can tell like that's a backdrop you know yeah. whereas in the first one when gail is doing her report you know the camera pans over and you see like just the hills and the sun yeah. coming up and you know it, it's a gorgeous shot and but it did you could tell it was a backdrop this time like it, it was it was obvious and i think it's little things like that that, you know, that the a lot of the, I don't want to say the hardcore fans, but I think, you know, the fans that have watched it over and over picked up on, um, like you were saying, the, the scale and everything. Um, one thing, though, that not to change the topic, but also... I think we need to talk about who Sam and Tara's mom is and how it oh, has man. to be the cheerleader. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Cause I think <laughs> this is kind of where Michelle's been going as well. Cause me and Michelle sort of did touch on this in the last episode a little bit. And that is going to be the real interesting thing. Cause I think they've, they've definitely set that up to be a good hook for a sequel, like who the mom really is what to like, obviously, you know, she's had the fling with Billy or she was in love with Billy but even how, even how she, you know, she's in love with someone, she's had a baby with someone or been pregnant to, um, a killer. And then how does that affect her moving forward, her whole lie, not telling Sam for so long and it's in diaries, the falling out with the husband. There's a lot to deal with there. And I think it's, it's a great hook for a new character for the next movie. But you're right, is it the cheerleader? So are you saying it's the blonde cheerleader or...? I mean, I know that, you know, Jenna Ortega and 
Melissa Barrera are Hispanic. So realistically, there it would have to be the mother that was if Billy is the father. But I feel like I feel like it has to be the cheerleader. Like just because that would explain why she was so the way she was towards Sydney in the bathroom. And yeah, I just feel like it needs to be her just from a fan. If we're going to do fan service, let's do it with the cheerleader. <laughs> like this is, this will be the hill that I want to die on. I want, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, like last time I actually looked at the movie, I actually thought to myself, yeah, okay. She's blonde, but she still has a, kind of a look she's to not, her that she's not a natural blonde <laughs> no she's no exactly so I, I feel like she's definitely she's not super white either so i think that could probably work but i, I i'm i also agree that she probably needs to you know have that like an eva longoria uh, you know sort of look to her that looks a little bit more you know like i said hispanic um that makes it you know sam is the offspring of Billy and and Chris? Is it Christine? Christina? Chris? I can't remember what the mother. Uh, Christina. 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 Yeah, Christina so. is Cotton's girlfriend. So and also that's that's another great story in the book is how Skeet got cast because yes. he was dating her. Yeah, and he drove her to the audition. Yeah, and I reckon that's like a really cool like in joke that that would make that kind of work that they were actually together in real, real life that, you know, and you're right. It, a lot of that conversation in the bathroom actually makes a lot of sense. If she is the one, like she, she's jealous because she knows she's pregnant with Billy's kid. And that's why she hit. I really, I'm like probably like this close to writing like fan fiction. Like <laughs> do, it. do it, do it. Do it. I'm going to write the Netflix. A new book. Show. Yeah. I'll write a whole line of Gail Weathers investigates books and then it'll I'll start doing offshoots of the different characters. There'll be a whole series about the cheerleader and her friend. I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold you to that. You've got to do it. <laughs> as long as I don't get sued by anyone, I'm on it. We we won't tell anyone. <laughs> okay. No one order. So I'm curious where both of you put Scream Five in your ranking of the Scream movies. I actually moved it a little bit and it sort of varied i mean one and two are my favorites by far uh five for me i after i'd seen it even the third time i'd sort of had it sitting in third position uh with four and then three uh but i probably you know four and five are just slightly i don't know they're sort of interchangeable i feel like that's only problem like with Four, I don't have as many issues with bits and pieces, whereas, as we've discussed today, that I think there's still parts of Scream 5 that I kind of, I really love, and then yet there's parts where, like I said, the, the house being feeling a little bit off, the fact that they even go there or the, the plot device of them going oh, it's on the way and Amber's parents owning the house, I just felt like, a lot of that to me felt really contrived and convoluted and and not realistic. So that's probably why why mark it down a little bit. But I love Richie in it. I love uh, the Carpenter sisters. I love seeing Dewey. I, I look. I, I loved so much about it. I just thought 
the ending and getting them there just seemed well and truly over the top. Uh, but it is what it is. Also, can we talk about what teenager has that sway with their parents to be like, you're going to buy this house in this town and we're going to move there? Like, And then you're going to leave and we're going to throw a party for our dead friend. <laughs> yeah, like that's the one issue I had is who had, even if it's a, a party that's, in celebration of them. And I know they did it to have it for, you know, the dual meaning of, you know, for Wes Craven, but like who goes in is like, yeah, let's have a party. Where are the parents in all of these movies? You never see anyone's parents. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But to, but to answer your question, I, I have softened a little bit too. Um, I, I usually go one. So I have two rankings, one in like, in terms of like, the best made movies and then the ones that I watch the most. So I usually go one for, I'm probably going to say one, four, five now um, in terms of rewatchability because four has its issues. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I find it just so much fun. Um, the second one is a little slow to get started as it reintroduces everyone. Um, so I'll kind of skip over some parts when I watch that, but I think, yeah, one, four, five two three michelle come on spill uh one two three five then four so you're a fan of three mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only one apparently and don't, don't get no don't get me wrong i know and, and uh, it's probably front of mind too because we talked about ryan as well but ryan c Charles, he he'll die on the hill saying the third one's his favorite and look i hear what he's saying but i, I it, for me there's still a lot to like about that movie I think there's some great ideas in the movie. I just think the execution and some parts of the movie, unfortunately, lack the Kevin Williamson polish uh, and the fact that they, yeah, again, script was constantly being sort of, I guess, rewritten or written on the run and that they didn't actually, and, and courtesy of your book as well, get Jake, like I knew Aaron Kruger was not necessarily on the movie for a long time, but the fact that he was thrown in a room for two weeks and they pretty much only had that and then they were kind of rewriting on the run um, was a big reason why the third movie and also Nev not being fully available for the movie, uh, I think makes it, you know, a movie that does have its issues and and at the end of the day while the voice changer looks amazing i that was the one plot point i hated the the fact that the replication of all the voices i think to me that was way too much of a cop-out or a lazy way of trying to get characters to do certain things or move certain places and i was like that's again one of those things that like Stu coming back from the dead I have a real issue with it. I think that's way too over the top. And it's, again, technology we can't even really get still now, really. But at the same time, you also have to, like, if you watch these screen movies, mm. you think that it's like everyone is just cloning cell phones everywhere. Yes. All of, every movie yep. they mention this. I don't know anyone in real life or, and, and I also watch SVU, like, religiously. It's like Scream and SVU. Yeah. SVU doesn't clone phones. Like, this is something that, like, everyone in Wordsboro got, like, a class in high school about <laughs> how to clone phones. And 
I don't think it's quite as prevalent as the screen movies that have led yeah. us to believe. I think yeah. we've been lied to. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, and that's something I've heard recently. Like, I guess it was one of those plot devices you just took for granted. That, oh, well, that's a thing. And I agree with you. I think that's definitely something that's exaggerated or a bit over the top. But um, I think the voice changer thing for me just doesn't really ring true that I think you can't be fooled by you may be a couple of lines of a particular person, but not not a conversation with someone and, and having them sound so perfectly that person. I just don't don't buy it. And I think and why did we never see it? We haven't seen it again. Like it's gone back to the original voice changer in four and five. Roman well, created it himself. Yeah, yeah. he must have. <laughs> well, on that note, thanks for chatting, Jake. And again, your book. It all began with a scream. Make sure you get it, people. Thank you. Thank you both for this lovely discussion. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. It was great to have you on and great to talk more stuff scream-related and delve into the Stu Macca alive, dead. What is he? Is he going to be a ghost? Who knows? Dead. He's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I think it needs to just very clearly come out that he he is dead yeah and, and matthew knows that people love this he knows about the <laughs> stew truther so he feeds into it by saying like he thinks he should come back he he knows how to play with people well there you have it fans that was our interview with jake maroney the author of it all began with the screen don't forget to check that out look it up online uh there's a website there's amazon or all good bookstores across the United States. Uh, it, look, I can't, again, I can't recommend it high, more highly enough. So make sure if you are a Scream fan, check that book out. And big thanks to Michelle. And But don't forget, if you are a Scream fan, we actually have our Scream 2 episode is back up. There was some technical uh, issues with that. I don't know why, but it replicated itself and then added Halloween kills to itself to become a, a seven-hour podcast, which is beyond belief and thanks michelle for picking that up i don't even know how that got through but some some glitch with the system or the matrix i don't know but yeah it's all back to normal you can enjoy screen two you can enjoy our interview with patrick lucier who was the editor uh for wes craven on a lot of his films but in particular the screen trilogy and then uh yeah we've got our screen five or scream 2022 whatever you want to call it is up as well and angus has some probably uh, let's say more negative takes on the film than i did so that's worth checking out too and lastly a big thank you to everyone that listens to the podcast and shares it currently but we need more people so i mean any extra help whether it's liking or sharing a post uh writing a letter telling a friend using carrier pigeon or the good old social media that would be greatly appreciated uh, to help grow the sequel suck brand thank you and until then just remember not all sequels suck by definition alone there are fewer films 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 films